Hi, I'm Father David Dufresne, parochial vicar of St. Charles Borromeo Catholic Church in Arlington, Virginia. Welcome to the St. Charles Church Talks podcast. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Then Jesus went from that place and withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a Canaanite woman of that district came and called out, Have pity on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is tormented by a demon. But he did not say a word in answer to her. His disciples came and asked him, Send her away, for she keeps calling out after us. He said in reply, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But the woman came and did him homage, saying, Lord, help me. He said in reply, It is not right to take the food of the children and throw it to the dogs. She said, Please, Lord, for even the dogs eat the scraps that fall from the table of their masters. Then Jesus said to her in reply, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be done for you as you wish. And her daughter was healed from that hour. The Gospel of the Lord. Lord, with your permission, I think that's perhaps one of the more challenging gospel passages there is. I don't anticipate or expect many of you to take it to Lexio Divina for your morning prayer. There's a couple elements that should surprise us, and I think surprise us maybe for a reason. One is our Lord is in a pagan territory. Why, why is he surprised seemingly that pagans are coming to him? And that's where he is. So, which makes his seeming rebuke and silence all the more curious. And that she makes a request, and and it says our Lord did not reply, gave her the silent treatment, which doesn't sound very nice. So there's something, something is trying to be said to us in that silence. And then, the, uh, the disciples say, Lord, she keeps calling out after us. No, she doesn't. She's asking for Jesus. Like, I don't know who the disciples think they are, um, but they, they need a little reality check. It's got to their head already. So perhaps our blessed Lord is trying to teach his disciples a lesson. Perhaps that's, that's one of the reasons. Getting them ready, this is in the 15th chapter of St. Matthew. So still pretty early on the public ministry. So perhaps this is a, a teaser for the disciples here that our Lord is about to expand the kingdom. He's helping these Jewish people to understand, yes, he's going after the lost sheep of Israel. But ultimately, the kingdom will be open to everybody. And here's an example. So they'll remember this moment, later on, after Pentecost, when the kingdom is indeed open to everyone. 
So those are kind of just the, the elements that jump out to us. The silence, right? what our Lord is maybe doing for the disciples, and then this, this rebuke. You might have heard, you know, our dog, that's not a very nice thing to call people. Um, he uses a diminutive term in Aramaic that might be more closely translated as puppy. Still not flattering, really, right? Um, he's still calling her subhuman in a certain sense. Right? It's not right to give food from the children's table, recognizing that the children here are the descendants of Israel and everyone else is outside of that family table. But she persists and insists, O oh woman, great is your faith. So I imagine, even though you probably don't take that passage to Lexio Divina that often, I'm sure we all have that experience in prayer. We are in front of the Lord. There's so much on our hearts. There's so many petitions we present. And he is seemingly silent, seeming to ignore us. And then it might even seem that we are rebuked we are put down. So in, in those moments, in that moment where we feel nothing, where we hear nothing, we still have this need, we still have this emptiness we're bringing, we still have this petition that is unmet, this desire that's unfulfilled, and we get nothing in response. What do we do then? And then the next step, when we feel rebuked, when we feel little, what do we do then? In our prayer life, in our spiritual life, but outside, after we're done in our prayer time, we still have that feeling. The Lord's ignoring us, or perhaps even rebuking us. So it's kind of that feeling I want to touch on, because we all have it in various times and in various degrees. Right? That emptiness, that frustration, that unmet desire, right, that ache, that voracious hunger. Last week, I talked on the Feast of the Presentation and highlighted how this month of February is dedicated to the Holy Family, that the Holy Family was present there, um, all three of them, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, as Jesus entered his own temple. The presence of God was now restored to the tabernacle in a sense, and how the Holy Family is the image on earth for our destiny, which is the Holy Trinity, that we are stamped right, with the Holy Trinity, who is relationship. So we are made for godly relationships. That was the premise last week, and how we need to get better about following the script of how we're made and how we are to live and how we are to achieve actual happiness and kind of reject the false scripts that so often we can follow without really even thinking. Just kind of the trajectory we're on, what we're after, what, what, what motivates us, what we think will make us happy. Right? So how important it is to shift those scripts to get focus back to the Holy Trinity. And then I, I promised this week we'd talk about some of the things that get in the way, some of those roadblocks. And I'd like to do it through this passage. This is the passage that came to mind and how to do that, because what do we do when we are hungry, right? when we have that, that 
that emptiness? How do we try to fill it if it's not the Lord? So, I have two short examples or stories. One is, is from um, about a month ago. I was chaplain to a men's group. And it, it was a loose federation of guys. They've been getting together in January for uh, the last 10 years or so. And it's a federation, kind of like a family reunion, a lot of brothers, but then they're brothers-in-law and college roommates. And so it's just a great time. Daily mass, we pray the rosary, right? So there's spiritual things they can tell their wife. It's a retreat, right? But it's, it's also just a, a time to get together. It's, for a lot of us, the one time a year we, we see each other. Um, I've, I've been blessed to be chaplain for like five years. So I, was, I got there Thursday uh, to help set up camp. So we set up a chapel, uh, and then like the mess hall, and, and um, they have like kind of army style barrack tents um, to set up. So a lot of work to do around camp, and then um, to, to set up the, like the barbecue pits and things like this. So a lot of work, and uh, the day's getting on, and, and the, get the fire started for dinner, and, and we're roasting, uh, I think like five whole chickens just o- over the fire, um, and, it, and it's taking longer than expected. The, the fire's not quite as, as hot as, as we uh, wanted it to be. Okay, so that's the context. I'm hungry, been working a long time, you know, um, worked, worked through lunch type thing, trying to get camp set up. And as guys are rolling in, you know, they're unpacking, they're, they're getting their, their bed un, um, set up and um, bringing all this, the provisions that, that they, you know, so a lot of people brought their favorite snack food, which, which is typically like teenage boy food. Like, so it's just a weekend for these guys to revert to, you know, being teenagers against so tons of just junk, right? Uh, cookies and, and Twizzlers and um, whatever guys, whatever their, their kryptonite was. Uh, I'm sure they, they made a stop without their wife knowing and, and just got just tons and tons of, of their favorite contraband. Okay, so I painted the scene there. So the day's getting long, dinner's delayed, and myself in particular, but I'm sure a number of other guys, are very, very hungry. And, and the chicken's not cooked yet, so what do we do? We eat a bunch of junk, right, for like two hours. It's like passing it around. Um, I'm generally a rather healthful guy, and I don't necessarily go for, for junk food. And my mom raised me well, and her dad was a dentist, and so like sugar was v- forbidden. So I don't have like a taste for it. I don't have a sweet tooth at all. I'm like the pastor, so if you want to get on his good side, get him some sweets. Anyway, but there I was, just like gorging myself, because I was so hungry, and it was there. And, and it met the need for the moment. So the, kind of the three, three days go by, and, and on the group text, you know, some, somebody gets back home and, you know, just, you know, thanks for a great weekend, great to connect with you guys. Um, I think I need to eat a vegetable, they said. <laughs> to which I replied, your feelings are irrelevant, right? Um, no, so that just silly example, I'm sure many of us have had something similar happen, that when we are hungry, when we are starving, sometimes we settle for junk. And let me tell you, it, I mean, there wasn't a lot of alcohol consumed, but like, I can't remember feeling worse the next day. It, and, I, and it was like, it was a mess. Just because I gorged on junk. Because I was so hungry and didn't have the, the foresight or the virtue to say, this is a mistake. This is not going to end well. Giving in to this hunger by feeding 
on junk. So, silly example, but we tend to do it all the time in various ways. Another example on this kind of the true nature of, of, of um, being filled with good things, that's much more difficult, right? that delayed gratification. Um, this is a, a side story, but I uh, was in a town called Helmno, Poland, doing genealogy work for my mom in like 2011 or something like that. And I had a little break from studies. Uh, I was in Rome, and so kind of just got on a, a flight to Krakow and rented a car and, and going around checking different churches because believe it or not, there are four different towns in Poland with the name Helmno. And that's all we knew. That's where our family was from. And she wanted to go visit, but which one are we going to go to? It's kind of like being from Springfield, America. I'm not very helpful. So at being a, a dutiful son and mama's boy, I was on a mission to go find the right Helmno that our town, our family was from. So I, I went, went to the most prominent and uh, just planned on knocking on church doors and asking, or early, early showing in Google Translate, you know, may I please see your sacramental records? I'm a seminarian doing genealogy work. So I go to the, the main church, and it is packed. And it is Tuesday in, in like the middle of February. And the church is just packed, like standing room only, no, no room in the aisles. And there's like a video crew there, like, like, like filming this. And this is a town of like 10,000 people, like a two-hour drive from Krakow, um, middle of nowhere, essentially. And this place in the middle of a Tuesday is just hopping. And uh, the, the film crew sees me coming late, uh, but then they're like, oh, um, and they speak Pol Polish to me because I'm in Poland. Um, I'm sorry, like I'm an American. I don't understand what you're saying. Uh, and then the reporter flips to English and says, oh, can we interview you? Like, what, what are you doing here? I'm like, oh, well, I'm coming here to search for my family. And then they just lit up like, oh, you know, American comes home. Or, um, <laughs> so I made it on the evening news that night, have, have really no, no idea. But then I'm like, why are you here? You know? And she said, oh, it's St. Valentine's Day, and we have his head. <laughs> sure enough. So after kind of they were saying prayers after mass and, and after that concluded, they kind of had like a marching band. They took his head out like on this gr glass reliquary and started to process it around the town with much, which, with much fanfare and great devotion. Um, it's like, wow, who knew? Right? Middle of nowhere, Poland, they got St. Valentine's head. And it was still very much, I mean, it's the extraordinary calendar. I mean, so take that for what it's worth because his, his feast day is now suppressed. Um, I'll share with you a poem. Sorry, Lord, I'm kind of take, not making this very spiritual tonight. I'll get back to that. <laughs> Roses are red, violets are odious. Happy memorial of St. Cyril and Methodius. You can borrow that next week. So, St. Valentine's Day, right? This, this great saint, a martyr for the faith, willing to, to sacrifice personally um, a lot, right, for the sake of people who wanted to get married, who wanted to have a Christian marriage. And he recognized that that's going to cost a lot, but they should be able to do it. And so that's like St. Valentine's Day in a nutshell, offering clandestine marriages against uh, state orders because people would come to him freely, right? And, so, and he would freely bestow the sacrament. 
And so even though the state was a mess when it, when it considered marriage, he understood the importance of a man and a woman coming together freely wanting to give themselves to the other and how this demands sacrifice, both of the bride and the groom and also of him. As this minister willing to do this at great sacrifice, ultimately costing his head. Okay, so kind of those two things in tension. What do we do when we experience this hunger, this ache that we have, and then how, how do we fit that into sacrifice and freedom? Okay, kind of back on track here. So with the Holy Family in mind, we understanding from last week that we're called to be images and mirrors of the Holy Trinity, to live in holy relationships. I think there are three things that we would do well to avoid when we're starving, or when we recognize that we're hungry. Three things to avoid so we don't get sick. Right? To overshare emotionally, to overshare financially, and to overshare hormonally. So we can be starved for emotional connection. It's not, not news that, that we have like a crisis in friendships and relationships. I talked on, on that last week. Right? Um, and so what do we do when we're starving for that connection? Do, do we settle for junk? Right? Or, or do we just gorge? And that, that gorging can look different for everybody. Right? Just like sharing the amount of personal things you share on the first date or as, as you're dating initially. Right? The amount of time that you simply spend talking with one another or texting or the times of day or night that you text, right? You're starving for this connection. So you, you, you experience a little bit of it. It's like, you know, eating the, the, those cookies or what have you. It's like, oh yeah, I'm really hungry, so I'll eat the entire bag. Because you, you get the taste and it, and it begins to satisfy and it feels so good that this, this hunger is being satiated and so you just continue to eat much more than you should. Right? So that, that hunger is there for a reason right? and it's meant to be satisfied. But when, when we have this, this emptiness that's voracious, we can settle for junk and we can overdo it. So freedom is paramount. And we can sometimes be too bonded emotionally or bonded too deep, too quick. And so we're not really free. We can't really discern clearly because if our heart and our mind is entangled and cloudy because it's already emotionally bonded, then we're not really able to see clearly, to discern clearly. So it's not that being emotionally bonded is bad. It's good. And God willing, in marriage, like you will be completely emotionally bonded to your spouse. Right? To share everything. You'll know everything about them and vice versa. That's what we crave. That's what we desire. Right? But if you do too much too quick, you'll get sick. Not to share too much financially too quick. Right? Sharing life with someone, sharing responsibilities with someone, that's, that's good. That's powerful. Right? To, um, to get to the point where you have one bank account, no secrets. Right? There, there's nothing that is, is yours. It's all um, your alls. Right? Um, that's good. Right? To, to not be selfish. 
right, to, to recognize that this money you have is for a greater purpose of the mission of your family. Okay. But and even in, in, in dating, right, to, to figure out a way where, okay, you can get each other gifts, right? You, you can um, figure out how, you know, who's going to pay for the date. It doesn't have to always be the guy, right? So, um, but to figure out, although I think it should, but it doesn't have to be. To, to figure that out up front of, of what's, what the game plan is going to be and kind of be clear about that. But there, there should be like no financial codependency or really any financial dependency at all. Right? You should not be dependent on them for anything financially because you need to be free. And, and finances should not be a factor if you're like, I need to get out of this but they're paying for this, that, or the other. Or, I'm not so sure about this, but we share all these bills together. Or even worse, um, a room or a house together. Because then you're not completely free. So that, that idea of St. Valentine, right, of wanting these people to come together freely, right? um, that's essential for the sacrament, that freedom. Freedom is paramount. You cannot discern clearly if your finances have you entangled and have clouded your judgment. So then lastly, not to overshare hormonally or, or physically. Right? Hopefully, you know, um, you like the person you date or will be dating. Right? Um, hopefully you're attracted to them. Right? Hopefully the more you learn about them, the more you become attracted to them. Right? That, that's kind of like just bare minimum stuff. Um, but there are appropriate ways to express this. Right? Uh, and then just to remember that like, we, the language we speak, the language of our bodies communicates reality. Right? Like 80%, they say, like, of, of our communication is nonverbal. Right? So what are you communicating? There are appropriate ways to communicate even with your body. I like you. I think you're attractive. But what's appropriate without getting too bonded too quick? What's appropriate while you can remain free? What's appropriate so you can see clearly, so you're not so foggy because you've bonded too quickly? So without getting in, in too much detail in front of our, our Lord, suffice it to say, if you don't want to go to Chicago, don't get on the train. Simple as that, right? If, if, if you're on the same page, and hopefully we all are here, right, that, that the embodiment of your marital vows is the marital act, right? So that is your body communicating physically, corporeally, what you said on the wedding day. That is, that is what the act signifies, right? And so you're renewing your marriage every time. So it would be wildly inappropriate um, to say something that you don't mean or you haven't said yet. And so if you're on the same page, yeah, eventually we want to get to Chicago, but we're not there yet. We're not ready to make that trip to Chicago. So we probably shouldn't get on the train yet. This is the language of near occasion of sin. Right? To talk about what that near occasion is. Right? To not be alone in the dark is a, probably a, a good train to avoid. But not even to go to the train station. To not be alone when, like, alcohol is involved. That's a bad uh, train ride to be on. 
Right? So if you're on the same page, yeah, we want to avoid these things because we don't want to share too much too quick. We want to remain free. Then have a very clear idea of what those boundaries are so you're never in a situation where that would even be possible. You don't just somehow surprise, wow, we got to Chicago again, how did that happen? Right? So you're very well aware of the steps that it takes to get Chicago, so don't take those steps. It's as easy as that. Why? It's not because Chicago's bad, although this analogy breaks down now, because it is. <laughs> uh, metaphorically speaking, right? it's good to get there right? once you're married, because that's what the marriage act signifies, to renew those vows. So love, ultimately, as you know, is an act of the will. Right? And, and marriage is that act of the will that has to be exchanged freely. And those are three of the main ways that can impact your freedom prematurely. Right? Sharing too much emotionally, sharing too much financially, and sharing too much hormonally. So as I talked about last week, that, that script of all relationships really, but especially dating relationships, of freedom, pursuit, and communion. That, that freedom is foundational to being able to see clearly and discern clearly that we are made for communion. This is how we're stamped, for these holy common unions where the Lord is part of that union. Okay. So this is how we flourish. This is how we're made. But we're all hungry because we're not there yet. And we all have this emptiness. So we do well not to settle for junk, just to wait the additional hour until the real meal is ready. We feel much better the next day. But it's also important to, to remember that our desires are meant to be fulfilled. While this hunger can be painful at times, um, it is, we have this hunger for a reason. Because ultimately, God wants to fulfill it. That hunger is infinite. That no matter how good your spouse is or will be, they're not good enough. Because that emptiness is infinite. It's that God-shaped hole. Right? But it's meant to be fulfilled. So our vocations are those bridges to the Lord. Right? My priesthood, your marriage, your future vocation, please God, some priests and nuns out in attendance today. But even that, like I've said before, I love being a priest, but being a priest doesn't make me happy. Right? God alone can do that. I wouldn't change it for anything. But it's not the job of the priesthood to make me happy. It's not the job of your spouse to make you happy. It's the bridge. It's the means in which we can experience the Lord. So may we pray for that grace to recognize the goodness of our hunger, the goodness of that emptiness that the Lord has given us so that we would never be satisfied with the junk of this world, that we would always be open to his grace and his inspiration, that we would seek him above all and through our vocations. Praise be Jesus Christ, now and forever. Thanks for joining us today. And please remember to subscribe. And if you enjoyed our show, give us a rating on the Apple Podcasts. Peace.